Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, I'm going to be talking about when you cannot recognize your anxiety. And this is a common issue of people that I work with who are extremely worried and tense all the time, but uh, they just don't identify as anxious. And this can be very frustrating to partners, you know, or adult children or actual children, but they don't know why they're upset. They just know that the parent is really difficult and worried and stressed. But, you know, when they're older is when they say, my mother has anxiety but won't deal with it or whatever. Um, okay, and before that, please do subscribe. I have great subscriber-only episodes coming out and um, all the time. The most recent one was whether never fall asleep angry is good advice or not. So um, please do subscribe, follow me on YouTube, follow me on TikTok, follow me everywhere that I am, and do join my Facebook group too. All right, so um, let me read you for the hell of it what the... Um, you know, the criteria are the DSM criteria for generalized anxiety disorder, which is the um, sort of anxiety where you're just worried all the time. So do you feel like this? So let's, let's look. One, the presence of excessive anxiety and worry about a variety of topics, events, or activities. Worry occurs more often than not for at least six months and is clearly excessive. Of course, in this case, the person doesn't see it's clearly excessive, but, you know, just kind of keep this in your head as you go. The worry is experienced as very challenging to control. The worry may easily shift from one topic to another. These are the same criteria for adults and kids, by the way. Uh, the anxiety and worry are accompanied by at least three of the following physical or cognitive symptoms. And in children, only you only need one of these symptoms. Listen to the symptoms. See if this is like you. Edginess or restlessness. Tiring easily. Impaired concentration or feeling like your mind goes blank. Irritability, which may or may not be observable to others, depending on how tight a lid you keep on yourself. Uh, increased muscle aches or soreness, and difficulty sleeping. So there's a lot of people who see those or hear those and say, wow, like I have a lot of those, but you know, I don't have anxiety. I have, and then here's like some things that people say, I have a completely normal response to a pandemic. Or I am fine. It's just that my partner doesn't help enough and that's why I'm so anxious all the time or so tense. Um, or... Uh, in our society, women are expected to do too much. And that is why I have all of those symptoms. Listen, everybody, you know, was in a pandemic, you know, most partners, you know, are annoying at some time or another. <laughs> I mean, and our society is, you know, our society, that's what we're in. But even within that, there, not everybody feels like this. Not everybody has those symptoms. Now, here's some other ones that are not in the DSM. Does your partner think that you're really anxious? Does your partner consistently tell you that the things that you're thinking about aren't going to happen and are irrational? Do you write that off as them being invalidating? But in reality, if you think about it, maybe some of your shit is irrational. 
How about this? Do you have parents that are really anxious? Are they paranoid about people's intentions? Did they raise you not to trust other people or to fear the world? Are they obsessed with health and or safety? Because listen, genetics are important. There's about 30% of anxiety is passed down, has a genetic component, and the rest is environment. You know, and so for most people, they were raised by the same people who gave them their genetic anxiety. So, I mean, they're two for two. And if you were raised in a household where people were very scared of the world and scared of, of and danger was seen to lurk around every corner, uh, then it's real hard not to come out with anxiety yourself. There's something called the diathesis stress model of mental illness, which I've uh, touched on before. But what it means is that if you have a predisposition through genetics or environment to a certain disorder, and then you have a big stressor, then the, the predisposition manifests as the disorder. So let's say your parents were really anxious and you were always able to just slough it off and just keep on moving and you did not, you know, yourself really let yourself be constricted or constrained by their anxiety after you left the house, etc. And then you had a big stressor such as you had a baby. That's a big stressor. Um, a hormonal change as well as something really evolutionarily to be worried about. Or a huge job change. Or something unpredictable happened outside of your control like you got really sick. So then this is your stress. So that's when your underlying predisposition toward anxiety can come out. And then it's easily seen as anxiety by everybody else. But you don't identify that way. If you are constantly feeling like um, like you have a million things to do. You're so edgy and restless. You run around constantly, but you can't get anything done. You're talking really fast. You see that when you engage with your partner, they seem stressed out by your intensity. Do people really say that you're type A? That really fucking ought to be on there, you know, because like there's type A and then there's the people who are told that they're type A. And like if a bunch of people are telling you that you're type A, like it's likely they either mean that you're anxious or you're an asshole or both, you know. And so I mean, think about that, you know, I mean, because there's plenty of people who are type A, but like everybody in the world doesn't like have to comment on it. So usually, especially with women, it means that you're anxious, you know, and you could be like, but I'm not anxious because now that I think about it, it, I make the entire, my entire environment uh, perfect. And uh, since I'm able to make my entire environment exactly what I want, and my routine is perfect, and I get up exactly an hour and 15 minutes before I need to do this or do that, and everything's exactly how I need it, because I do that, then I'm not anxious. Well, guess what, though, then you're still anxious, because how do you act when something happens outside your control? Another big clue that you're actually anxious is people think you're controlling. A lot of controlling people are not narcissistic or self-involved, but rather just highly, highly anxious. And they do not know how to stop the anxiety without completely trying to control their environment. And only when their environment is completely controlled do they think that, you know, that, that things are okay. But when their environment has even a little bit of, um, so for example, let me give you an example. So let's say that you are somebody who, um, let's say you're divorced. Your ex-husband thought that you were anxious, but you thought he was a fucking asshole. So fuck him, right? We're not listening to him. And then you get back on the dating market and you don't really meet anybody that you like. Finally you do. And um, this person seems great, except that this person doesn't like to plan. 
well, shit, now you really like them, but they don't like to plan, and you get very anxious. What does it mean that they don't like to plan? What about next week? What about Monday? What about Tuesday? What are we going to be doing on Wednesday? How often are we going to want to see each other? What is the game plan for everything? And listen, women have lots of friends, right? And anxiety manifests more in women, so I'm just sticking to women on this. Women have lots of friends. Friends are very um, loving and supportive, and so friends aren't really going to call you out on being, like, controlling or micromanaging or being, like, excessive some will close closer ones but it's really possible for a woman to get through her whole life just being number one performer super perfectionistic over functioner overachiever by the way over functional overachiever goes along with this and um and never until she's in an intimate relationship does anybody say anxious. And then since he's the only one that says it or says you are controlling or micromanaging or whatever, d- difficult, then she thinks it's his problem. Listen, nobody is, um, di- n- nobody's partner is 100% wrong. Your partner observes you all the time. Unless there's some kind of sociopath and we're in some kind of lifetime movie where they're like plotting your demise and they're like some complete psycho, which isn't, you know, going to happen, then the things that people think about you generally um, are related to something in the world about you. You know, they're generally related to some sort of of true observation about who you are. And, I mean, you certainly think that your observations about an intimate partner are correct, right? (laughs) So, I mean, it's just statistically likely that they would be right about you as well. So in this situation, and I see this situation frequently, let's say, uh, go back to this divorced woman. She doesn't have to be divorced, but my situation, let's say she's divorced because a lot of women come into me who are divorced. And so she felt pretty good when she could control every single thing about her and her kid's environment. She didn't feel anxious at all. But then when this guy comes in and he doesn't like to plan as much as she does, then she gets very anxious, doesn't see it as anxious, has some sort of excuse like, oh, well, you know, he's a child, only like adults don't want to, um, any adult would want to plan for the future and like just all, all this stuff that comes out because she's really, really anxious. Now I'm the first person to say, if you're, you're dating some guy, he doesn't talk about marriage, you know, sooner than later, if you're like after divorce and you don't know at all where he stands, then that's some bullshit and don't be in that relationship. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody who is only okay when they are in charge of the whole schedule and they get very triggered, though, when anybody else is in any way unpredictable or can't be controlled or can't uh, or doesn't want to fit into their highly specialized plans. This is a common one. Another common thing that I see is that women um, stay married. They don't. They control every single thing around them. They are the master of Google Calendar. They do every single thing. They constantly talk up how wonderful they are for doing all of this stuff. And then the children rebel, and uh, or at least the one that isn't like them rebels <laughs> and says, "You're basically you're always up my ass. Leave me alone." You never give me any downtime. Uh, you are so crazy. Uh, this happens more like adolescent age. And then finally, they'll come into therapy and they'll be like, why does my child dislike me? And then we're like, well, shit, you know, they had 47 million activities scheduled from the time they were two and a half at latest. And um, maybe this could be related in some way to your anxiety, you know, or you don't let them have sleepovers or you don't let them date or you don't let them this, or you don't let them that. 
we actually nowadays, interestingly, it's funny, anxious people will sometimes go the complete other way, anxious mothers, and they will let the kid do everything because they are so terrified that the child will be estranged from them. So in fact, they become permissive parents, overly permissive and unable to discipline because they are terrified that the child will hate them. So again, what is this terror? It's called anxiety. So go back to the beginning of the podcast, listen to the symptoms. You know, if these sound like you, what's the point in putting your head in the sand? You probably got feedback over the years that if you look at it in a different lens, a little bit straighter in the face, then you may realize is people telling you that you're anxious. Type A, overly organized, micromanaging, controlling, um, you know, anxious. Sometimes people will literally be called anxious, but they'll be like, I'm not fucking anxious. Anxiety is a normal reaction to the state of the world. Anxiety is not a normal reaction to the state of the world. You know, I mean, like the state of the world is is uniform across humans or, you know, at least across all the humans in your demographic. What people, another important, interesting point is like goes to like. So sometimes people will say, but all of my friends are consumed with anxiety, worry, and sleeplessness. And it's like, yeah, no shit. All the people at Cirque du Soleil know how to do acrobatics, you know? I mean, it's self-selected here. So if you are at a play group and you make some comment about, and this is, you know, going a time machine back to when you were meeting people at play group, right? And you have a baby. And if you're the one who says, oh, my God, I'm so anxious that she's not talking yet. Out of the three women sitting there at playgroup, the one who responds, oh my God, I'm so anxious about such and such, is going to be your friend. This is just how it goes. So like goes to like, and with men and women, or women and women, or men and men, with mating, it's called assortative mating, which I've mentioned before, but it's the same thing with friendships. There's even more. Friends go to similar people. So yeah, your whole friend group may be anxious. I mean, if you think about it, is that wrong? You know, a lot of people will be like, uh, yeah, well, you know, Mm, yep. <laughs> yep. Everybody kind of tends in one direction or at least me and my best friend do or me and my sister or me and my mom or whoever the person is that I talk to the most and we amp each other up in this way. So think about it if, if it's you, because the thing is with anxiety is it's really easily passed down as I talked about. So it's passed down to you. So it's going to be passed down to your kids. And it's really not a way to live, as you know, from your sleepless nights, your muscle aches and whatever other symptoms you crossed off, you know, that you have. So uh, I was raised in a very anxious home myself. So this is kind of like my pet cause is helping people recognize when their anxiety is hurting the kids because it ends up constricting them and it ends up making them feel like the world is a very dangerous place with people who are ill-intentioned and they always have to watch their back and that's really a shitty way to grow up and it's a shitty way to think about the world and it, it really uh, cuts you off from people. It makes it hard for children raised in such households to really connect with others. Um, it impacts your ability to trust others within relationships. Uh, it, it impacts everything. It even impacts your your academic um, and job potential because you end up so risk averse that you don't know how to take healthy risks. And frequently dads who are on the other end of this, who are married to, so they have kids and they're married to women who are anxious, this is their number one thing. So I've talked about reasons that men get divorced. Men don't usually initiate divorce, but when they do... You know, the other reason I only say it one million times is they're not having sex. But the other one is because the woman's really anxious. And it's particularly when the kids get old enough, which is maybe only even toddlers, um, but certainly after that, that the man is like, holy shit, she doesn't let the kids do anything. 
you know? And so I see this a lot. Like, she doesn't let the kids climb high or she doesn't let the kids uh, go anywhere because they're going to get sick or, or this, that, the other. And so the man starts to feel like almost if he doesn't get out of the marriage, then the kids are going to be raised like hothouse flowers and they will have no risk tolerance at all and no ability to engage in the world in a courageous, or forget courageous, I mean, in kind of a normal way. Um, so if I rarely say anymore to, um, sh share my podcasts with your partner, cause as I've mentioned, people start doing that too much. <laughs> then I got people saying, my partner doesn't want to hear anymore of your fucking podcast, which like I, so don't, you know, I mean, I'm not for everybody, but you know, there, there are some that, you know, could be useful to share, particularly if it's like it. Here's here's a new rule. Only share my stuff if it's literally like either you're going to go to couples counseling, you're like have that like almost scheduled, you're like almost there, or maybe there'll be some sort of epiphany from listening to my podcast or both. So like if you're already at kind of a, a, a do or die moment and you're already feeling very um, upset about an issue, then why not share my podcast, right? Because really, why not? You're going to be either going to couples counseling or even potentially in a relationship or at the very least it's leading to tremendous conflict which is not very least that's very bad so in those situations where you feel like this is a really a, a topic that's already causing a lot of conflict anyway and that you feel very very strongly about then share it so for some people it would be this one where you really want a partner to think about how anxious they are now with men anxiety manifests slightly differently they're not usually as obsessed with the children and health and safety but they can be obsessed about other things they could have social anxiety they could get very closed off, kind of like hermits. They could get extremely worried about money. They're logging into all the accounts all the time and looking at them and and um, and worrying about the future of the family, even though the, they are financially secure. But then they get like really frugal and crazy about spending because they're so anxious. Um, they can sometimes, especially in today's climate of uh, equal parenting here, uh, get really anxious about the kids. They can, but I don't see it as much. Um, but they do get anxious. They get anxious about job performance. They'll like never be late, never miss anything, be obsessed with how they're perceived at work. So there's different ways that men can be anxious. So um, think about those two. But really, those are the original criteria that I read are gender neutral. So that could be for a man or for a woman and uh, or for a child. I mean, you may think of, have heard that and be like, holy, holy shit, that's my kid um, in that case. And in all cases, Anxiety is very responsive to therapy, to cognitive behavioral therapy, or really to any therapy that has an exposure component in it. I've had podcasts and posts about exposure therapy. It means confronting your fears, even imaginally, even in your mind. And uh, so basically any sort of therapy that involves openly discussing your fears and being helped to... Um, to confront them, whether that's even just in your imagination or verbally or in reality, is going to be useful. Uh, so anyhow, hope this was helpful, and I hope that at least out of all of my listeners, one person is like, holy shit, I really may be anxious. I thought that I might be, pushed it out of consciousness, but now I am going to seek help because I do not deserve to live that way, and my children don't deserve to have an anxious parent. So if that happens to one person, that's wonderful. And I will talk to everybody soon. Have a great day.